back in my day, I don't know, maybe men were men and whatever, but we didn't just cancel school because the wind was blowing. For whatever reason, today, the, the school decided that there's a potential snowstorm coming. Everything so far has been north of us. It may come, it may not, but school's canceled. One time my sister and I actually drove to school, not knowing it was canceled because my parents were already at work, to pull up to the school to only find out that it was canceled. I don't know what's happened. Maybe maybe the one thing that has happened is that school districts have gotten so much larger. I used to drive two and a half miles to get to school. My oldest son now drives about five. So maybe that's the thing. But there were kids that drove 20 miles to get to school from Edna and wherever else. Maybe they were not quite 20, maybe 10, 12 miles, something like that. But they still drove from there. I don't, I don't know what's going on with the world right now, but it's a weird, weird place. So it is Wednesday, the 22nd of February, and this is the Midweek Tech Roundup on The Brew House. All right, so as promised, we always have five stories plus maybe a bonus story at the end that just an honorable mention of a story. So today we're going to talk about Section 230, the section of law that doesn't have a fancy name, but is probably one of the most important internet rules of our age. Uh, was Coinbase hacked? Subway is going to build EV charging playgrounds or an oasis for diners. Biden won't stop, Im- won't stop a ban on importing uh, Apple Watches. Uh, the four-day work week continues, and a bonus story this week that I'll just let out at the end. So let's talk quick about Section 230. So Section 230 is a not fancy name, like you know how the the they like to put fancy names on bills in Congress now, like uh, you know the Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't reduce inflation. We don't really actually know because it's just a fancy name. Because if you vote against it, then you're against reducing inflation. I whatever. Section 230 is a is a part of the law that basically gives uh, solution providers, so say like YouTube, it gives YouTube like a blanket protection over what other people post. So if I post a video that says you should beat up every single person in the world, something like that, it protects YouTube from the liability of that video being posted. So what is what is happening right now with Section 230 and why is it in front of the Supreme Court? So right now, Section 230 is in front of the Supreme Court because of Google's suggested videos. So the people are suggesting that YouTube is putting up inappropriate suggested videos and that's a violation of Section 230 because now they're a content provider like uh, like CNN or Fox News. They are actually writing the, writing the articles and presenting the data. Now, I find this as actually something that's deeper than just suggested videos because... Who cares about suggested videos? Like, if I'm watching a video about how to change spark plugs in a car, I want more suggested videos about how to change spark plugs in whatever car I'm working on, or maybe how to change the water pump, or whatever. I'm interested in that, so suggested videos make sense, because I already was searching for that. The deeper thing here is that Google and other providers, Twitter and Facebook, when they censor data... Are they actually becoming like a CNN or Fox News where they can control the narrative of what's being presented? 
That's the bigger issue here. And unfortunately, that's not the issue that's being being fought here. It's just suggested videos. And I'm afraid that because we all know that old politicians generally are senile and don't know what they're talking about, especially when it comes to technology, that some Supreme Court where the average age is probably 75 years old, that they're going to make the wrong decision. They're going to say that it's okay for Google to give the suggested videos, which that's fine. I really don't care about that. But what I do care about is the narrative that Google is allowed to control the speech. Uh, everyone who's listened to this podcast from the beginning from the beginning knows that I'm extremely critical of Google. I don't know what they do with my kids' data when they log into the Chromebook at, in kindergarten and continue to log in with the same account all the way until they're 18 years old. I don't know what they do with that data and how they're building a profile on my child. So I'm extremely critical of Google, and I think that putting this in front of the Supreme Court is, 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 is to the extreme the wrong thing to do because they will make the wrong decision. They will say that Google has the right to display these videos, which Google will, will take and bend and mold into their whole, well, if I can do that, then I can say this is misinformation or this is disinformation, even if it's not, if they just don't like it, if they don't like what I'm saying about them, they can just silence it. Now, you could say, oh, they're a private company. They can do whatever they want to do. But that's that's just simply not the case. When you are when you have a platform that allows you uh, freedom of speech or allows you to speak, they can't control the narrative of that. If they want to do that, then they should become a CNN or a Fox News or type of news organization that writes their own articles. But they don't, they don't do that. Their money is made based on the freedom of speech of people. So something to watch. Section 230 in front of the Supreme Court right now, they even admitted they have no idea what they're doing, and they're probably not the best people to rule on this, but they're going to rule on it anyways. All right. Was Coinbase hacked? The answer? Yes, they were. Coinbase was hacked, and, and, and what's sad was is it was actually last year. It was one of the – it was the same hacking group, and, and it's Octopus, 0-K-T-A-P-U-S. Um, they, they, uh, they basically stole the credentials of an employee and gained access to the company's system. Now, it wasn't actually that easy. I like how when you read these articles online, it always makes it seem like, ah, oh, they it was so easy. It was not actually easy for these guys to do this. Now, this is the same group that hacked Twilio, Cloudflare, DoorDash, like a bunch of companies. Like, they're, they're, they're really good at this. But the way they did it was they got the credentials for someone to log in. But then they were blocked by two-factor. I mean, two-factor doing its job, shock. So so what did they do? So they, they spoofed the caller ID of the Coinbase two-factor authentication system, sent it to the employee, and then I think it's called vishing, where you actually call somebody on the phone and uh, said, I need you to log into your system now. That person logged into the system, and they were able to see the database, steal data, whatever. I, I don't know that it, there's anything like, yeah, they have your data, but so they have your data from every other breach that they've done in the past. So I don't know really, short of them knowing now that you have a uh, Coinbase account and they can fish you and fish you and all of this, short of that, I, there's really nothing, this is kind of like a non-story, but a story that you know they're kind of trying to sweep under the rug here. And, and they shouldn't because they're, they hold money. I mean, this is as important as a bank saying, oh, hey, by the way, we were hacked. 
No, there's probably millions or billions of dollars in Coinbase. They're one of the most trusted exchanges in the world. And they were hacked. Granted, not deeply, but they were still hacked. So it 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 bears that we should we should be talking about it. All right, what else we got? Oh, so Subway is going to start building EV charging playgrounds. Now, if you listen to my Saturday episode, you know that most people don't really care that you drive an EV and will park in EV-only parking spots, whether they have EV or not. And that's just what's going to happen. But anyways, Subway is going to build EV parks. So they're going to be outfitted with charging canopies, multiple ports, picnic tables, Wi-Fi, restrooms, green space, and even playgrounds. Okay. So we're going to treat the people that drive EVs like we should drive them, like we should treat them as people that have to wait 30 to 40 minutes before they can move on where the person that has to to fill their gas tank takes five minutes. So they get a time, they get a spot to sit and have a picnic table and enjoy the outside of a subway. Because I know that when I go to subway, uh, you're usually surrounded by lots of greenery where there's lots of room for awnings and picnic tables and green spaces and playgrounds. No, that, that is simply not the case. So I'm interested to see how Subway can really make this a charging oasis or an oasis for diners. All right. Biden uh, won't stop the ban on importing eyewashes. So if you've seen the, the smash hit antitrust in 2001, that came out in 2001, uh, Teddy, who is a computer programmer, mentions that knowledge should belong to the world like aspirin like people should be able to make aspirin like it's a it's a thing that helps people and it should belong to the world and if you haven't seen 2001's antitrust i sincerely mean it's a it's an awesome hack hacker movie like it's a i mean it's corny it's cheesy but how else do you depict computers on the big screen it has to be corny and corny and cheesy it's got ryan felipe come on anyways Medical device maker AliveCore announced that President Biden was going to upheld the ITC or the International Trade Commission ruling that could potentially uh, ban the import of Apple Watch over its EKG feature. All right. I think that any access to life-saving whatever should never be banned. I get that AliveCore has a patent on it. And I get that Apple should probably pay a live core if the patent that they're theoretically infringing on, uh, if they're theoretically infringing on the patent, they should pay. Like that should be, but we shouldn't limit the access to life-saving tech. There have been actually a few um, cases where Apple's EKG stuff has actually saved lives. Now, I, I mean... In all reality, how good is uh, the EKG feature of the watch, of, of, a, of an Apple Watch? I, I really don't know, and I probably wouldn't bet my life on it. But what humans have learned about humans and about living and about medicine and all of that needs to belong to the world. We need a different class of patent for stuff that is medically related that can save people's lives. Now... Apple back in the day, back in the Obama administration, uh, there was a there was another company that uh, that came in and basically said that Apple oh Samsung 
that Apple was infringing on Samsung's patents and Obama still allowed the import of those iPhones and iPads or whatever it was at the time. So they were, I think that Apple was maybe trying to ride the wave of, hey, we're probably going to be okay here because it happened to us once before and, you know, it got through. So no big deal. The four-day work week continues. Now, in, uh, uh, what is it, the UK, they're, um, they're experimenting with the four-day work week. Now, when I first read this article, I thought, oh, four-day work week, they're working 10-hour days, 40 hours. So Monday to Thursday, 10-hour days, which, you know, eight to six, seven to five, okay, fine. But no, they're actually doing four eight-hour days, so they're working 32 hours a week. And they're actually strangely they're they're actually continuing and more companies are actually rolling out with this now i'm not actually against this i think that a lot of time is wasted at work i think that there's a lot of water cooler talk and and all of that that could potentially go away and you probably could save that extra eight hours of work now us in it we know that there's no such thing as a four-day work week we know that you have to work after hours before before work, after work, middle of the night, all of that. So I mean, for us in IT, there has to be like a blanket coverage of the four-hour, uh, forty or the thirty-two-hour work week, the four-day work week. So that way we can work Friday, Saturday, Sunday to actually finish the stuff that makes the computers work for those four days. Because you better believe that pressure is going to be on IT to make sure that those computers work because. Any more amount of downtime just causes more and more shortage in hours. So I I think this is a good thing. I think more time with family, more uh, uh, more time away from work, more time just enjoying life, and we're only here for a short amount of time. Why not have a four-day work week? But I'm sorry, IT, you don't get it. All right. And the honorable mention today, Linux 6.2, the first mainstream Linux kernel for M1 chips arrives. Now, that might have sounded like a whole bunch of gobbledygook to everyone out there, but this is actually a big thing. Linux has always had the reputation of run on everything. And the, the, the announcement that in the mainstream kernel, there are going to be modules and whatever else is required to actually run Linux on a Mac natively without any outside modules being compiled is, is actually pretty big news. I think that I run Linux on the desktop daily. I run it on the, in the brew house. I run it on my laptop. And for the most part, I don't feel like I'm missing out. In fact, I actually feel like Windows is kind of like a foreign language to me anymore. I used to used to run Windows and then Linux on another machine. I never really dual booted. That wasn't a thing that really interested me. Like, I'm just going to have two computers and they're going to be on. One will be slower than the other. I'm not going to buy two high-end machines. One is going to be slower than the other. I don't really care. But being able to run... Let me, let me rewind. Apple has always made quality hardware. And, and you no one can deny that. From the aluminum cased um, MacBooks, MacBook Airs, to the aluminum cased uh, MacBook Minis, to the, the, the Power Macs. They've always just made quality hardware. It might be that their operating system might be a little lacking. And it, truly it is. It, it is lacking. I, I, I can't. I used to use Mac and I used it because it had a terminal built in. It had all the tools that I needed to do my job every day and it was supported and I could turn the computer on. I could do the updates and I knew that it would just work. But 
in the in later years that actually proved to be less and less true. They built the butterfly keyboard, which is was just garbage. And they, they did come back from that and fix their mistake, but Apple heart rarely admits mistakes. Apple was the first one to take away the CD-ROM drive. They're the first ones to take away the USB-A. Um, they rarely admit mistakes, but they did admit a mistake with the with the butterfly keyboard. Anyways, rewinding back. Having a, having a kernel that runs on the M1 chips, I think, is going to be a game changer for the MacBooks uh, that currently run the M1s. And for hackers that enjoy running Linux on quality hardware. I don't have anything else. So with that, I'll leave it there. Have a great Wednesday.